Good morning. Good morning. Today's scripture reading will be find, found at Mark 5, Mark chapter 5, 21 to 43. We'll start again. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Then came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all aside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Thank you for choosing to worship with us here this morning. Uh, last week as we were in Mark chapter 4, we saw an example of how faith and fear co-mingle together and what Jesus wants us to do with our faith. This morning, we're going to take a look at the relationship that faith has with human suffering, uh, with human suffering, how, how faith starts, how it grows, and how it is cultivated, and how God uses delay, disappointment, and pain to bring about greater fruitfulness. All things we don't ask for and we don't want. And yet God uses those very things to bring about more fruitfulness in our faith. The four things that we're going to see in the text that was read, we're going to see, first of all, the object of faith that both Jairus and the woman have. We're going to see the occasion for faith. And in this case, it's pain. It's pain, chronic pain and acute pain. 
And then we're going to see how God uses that chronic pain, how God uses that acute pain to cultivate these individuals' faith, which brings forth in the end uh, fruitfulness that actually neither one of them were looking for. You're going to see that God, they come to God, come to Jesus with something very specific, and they're given way, way more than they bargained for, but it hurts a lot more than they wanted it to hurt. And that's, that's life. We live in a world where pain and suffering are an everyday occurrence, and faith, not faith in faith, but faith in Christ is the means by which God brings us through to the other side, regardless of life storms. Would you please join me in prayer and open up to Mark chapter 5. Father, we come to you this morning. There are many people here who have heavy hearts. Like the woman, they suffer anonymously. Like the father, Jairus, they have loved ones who are sick and in danger. Or like in various places of the world, even Israel right now, there's just chaos and there's pain and there's suffering and there's war. Lord, wherever people are at this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet them. Lord, I pray, Father, for the people in Israel. Lord, I pray that you would use this to draw Jews who do not yet know Jesus as their Savior to to you. And I pray that you would draw Palestinians who do not know you as Savior, Lord, to to Christ. Lord, apart from the Prince of Peace, there's no hope for anyone in that land. And Father, I pray for those of us here who are privileged to not live in a state of war, in a state of chaos. Lord, yet we are involved in a spiritual war and there is suffering and there is pain and the enemy desires to use that. I pray that you would overcome evil with good and the gospel would set people free this morning that Christ might be exalted and that we might bear fruit bringing you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, the object of faith. We have two, two characters. In this, in this text, you have, it starts, it starts with a man and his need. His, his daughter is, is ill, and, and then there's the woman. So this is a sandwich. It, it begins with Jairus and his situation, and then all of a sudden there's the woman and her situation, and then it's back to Jairus and his situation, or Jairus rather. So, both of them, both of them exhibit faith. The object of the faith here, first of all, in verse 21 through 23, with Jesus, he crossed again in the boat to the other side. You remember last week, they crossed the boat. There was a great storm. What we didn't get to was that as soon as they landed on the other side of the lake, Jesus cast out uh, many, many demons from a demoniac. They went into a swine of her, or a, uh, a herd of swine, and they went over the cliff, and they told Jesus to leave. So that's basically a very, very short synopsis of, of an involved passage. So that was on on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and then they go back. They go back. And when they got back, they were met by the crowds. There came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet, implored him earnestly, saying, my daughter is at the point of death. Now, Jairus comes to Jesus because he's aware of Jesus. I mean, that seems self-evident, but I don't want to overlook this. don't want to overlook this. Romans, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Jairus knew about Jesus. He'd heard of Jesus. It's highly likely that he had listened to him teach in his synagogue. So he was very aware of him. 
The next scenario here, the woman, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had. She was no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus. Now, this is self-evident, but the object of the woman's faith, the object of Jairus' faith is the person of Jesus. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. We're not interested in faith in faith. That is not the faith that the Bible teaches. It is faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And they'd heard about Jesus. That's why they're coming to him. That's why they're coming to him. Hopefully, you have heard about the person and work of Jesus. He is the object of faith. Now, that's a beginning point, but that's not saving faith. That's not saving faith. There must be an occasion for faith. There must be an occasion for faith. In the context of, of, the, uh, of, of Jairus, it's, it's an acute illness. Not his illness, but his daughter's illness. She is at the point of death. In the woman's case, she had suffered much under many physicians and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. In both of these scenarios, very different, very different. In one sense, you have acute pain and suffering, which, which death is, in, is, is imminent. In the other, you have chronic suffering, chronic pain, where death is not imminent, but both Jairus and the woman are desperate. And they know about Jesus, but the rest of the crowd knows about Jesus. But the difference between these two and the rest of the crowd is that their desperation has driven them to a point where they want to personally encounter Jesus and they want him to meet a need that only he can meet. That's the occasion for faith. Some of you here this morning relate to Jairus. You're, you're going through or you have recently been through acute suffering and pain. A loved one has been diagnosed with cancer. You yourself have been diagnosed with cancer. It's a situation where because of that pain, you cry out to God. You cry out to Jesus. Some of you relate more to the woman. There's chronic suffering. It just lingers on. And you cry out to the Lord and you ask for deliverance. Some of you, though, relate with neither. You're more like the crowd. You're, you're interested. There's a curiosity about the person and work of Jesus. But you don't sense or feel your personal need. You're part of the crowd. You want, you're around people. You're around people that, that love and need Jesus. But you yourself, you haven't entered into that personal relationship with him. The crowd, they have the right information about Jesus, but they don't sense their need. So when Jesus is pressing through the crowd, the woman touches him and she's immediately healed. Yes? Okay, that's the story, right? And Jesus perceives that power has gone out from him, and he says, someone touched me. Now, how did the disciples react to that? Everybody's touching you. 
You're, you're fighting your way through the crowds. Everyone's touching you. Ah, yes, but everyone's touching him, but not everybody is drawing near to him and wanting something from him. And that's, see, that's the danger in the church. That's the danger in this body right here. You're a part of the crowd, but not every single one of you is here to experience Jesus and have a relationship with him. You're just going with the flow. You're here because mom and dad brought you. You're here because your spouse brought you. You're here because you came with someone and you kind of like the affinity that you have with these people and they all have something in common. They're conservative like you. They're the same color as you. They're the same culture as you. They're the same socioeconomic status as you. And Jesus is everybody's hero and you're all fans and many of you have never touched him personally. Why? I don't know. You haven't sensed your need of him yet. And I emphasize yet. In these two cases, it's chronic pain or it's acute pain. But ultimately, there's going to come a time when all of us are going to experience pain. And it doesn't have to be physical as in, in, as in these cases. But there's a sense in which God uses the suffering that we go through where we sense our need of him. For me personally, it was when I was in college. And God had, had given me enough rope for me to weave into a noose, place around my neck, and step off the edge of the chair. And as soon as I started gurgling, this is a metaphor, by the way, and this actually didn't actually happen. I'm saying that God gave me over to my sins so that my sins brought about, brought about sufficient pain and suffering to which I came to Jesus in the same way Jairus came to Jesus in the same way the woman came to Jesus because I knew that he and only he could deliver me from me. And until you are in that place, Jesus is just a curiosity. That's why D.L. Moody, a very famous evangelist, said, the greatest place to evangelize is in the church. Because there are so many people who know about Jesus, but they've never encountered him. Why would I think that this congregation would be any different? Now, I'm not saying that you don't know Jesus. I don't know if you know Jesus. I know you know about him. I don't know that you know him, though. That's the occasion. It's pain and suffering. I'm not saying that you have to go through some, some horrible uh, disease or some moral failure to come to know Jesus, but you do have to come to a place where you recognize, apart from him, I'm lost, and you do have to sense your need. You do have to sense your need. So we've seen the object of faith. That's Jesus. We've seen the occasion for faith. That's something uncomfortable that brings us to a place where we're like, I need Jesus. Now let's look at the cultivation of faith. The cultivation of faith. First of all, we'll start with a woman. It doesn't start with a woman. It starts with Jairus. We'll get back to him. The woman. What does she want? Look at verse 28 and 29. 28 and 29. It'd help if I'd be on the right page. 28 and 29. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Now, notice 
Her approach to Jesus is different than Jairus. Jairus approaches Jesus and specifically begs him, implores him, heal my daughter, she's about to die. And he repeats this over and over. The woman's like, I'm not going to say anything to Jesus. I'm just going to come up to him and I'm just going to touch his garment. And then after I've touched his garment, then I'll be healed. Why? What does she want? She wants an anonymous healing. Why does she want anonymous healing? What's her problem? What is literally her issue, her physical issue? She's hemorrhaging. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She spent all of her money on doctors and she's grown worse. Now, because she's hemorrhaging and she has a discharge of blood and she's a Jew, that means for the last 12 years, she has been unclean and unable to enter a place of worship. That also means that if anyone has touched her, they themselves have become unclean. So what that means for this woman is that she has, over the course of time, essentially become a leper and accursed, and her whole community has dubbed her an outcast. Because the Jews also believed that if someone was suffering from a chronic illness and they were never made well, that that was evidence that they were in sin, and that was evidence that God was against them. This woman has no money, she has no friends, she has no family, and she doesn't need more attention. So all she wants is just a little healing, or a lot of healing, but she doesn't want people to notice her. She doesn't want to be called out. She's tired of people looking at her and saying, unclean, unclean. She's just hoping that she can just touch Jesus and be made clean, and no one will notice, and no one will yell at her, and no one will make a big deal out of her. That's what she wants. Who wouldn't want that, right? Who would want to be a public spectacle? That's what she wants. What she gets is a very public healing. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear. So Jesus says, "What? wait, stop, 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 stop. Who touched me? Now, if you're the woman, what's going through your mind right now? You're freaking out. And the disciples are like, what do you mean? Everybody's touching you. No, no, no. Someone touched me. Power's gone out from me. I can feel it. Her response is fear and trembling. She's terrified. What did she want? An anonymous healing. What just happened? Jesus made her the focus of attention in a huge crowd. That is not what she asked for. I've read studies where the number one fear that people have is public speaking. It's not a fear that I share <laughs> because I like to hear the sound of my own voice. There's lots of reasons I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm afraid of other things, but that's not it. So I want you to imagine having the fear of public speaking, but also being called out for something you shouldn't have done. This is utterly terrifying for this woman. She came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now we'll get to the fruitfulness part, what she, the good part, but this, this, is, this, is, this is not what she asked for. She just wanted to be healed. She didn't want to be called out. She wanted to be anonymous, and Jesus has made this very, very public. You know, it's not in the sermon, but I, I can't help but notice there is a baptismal here. There's people, they want to come to Jesus, and they want to accept him as Savior, and then they're like, yeah, I... I just am not into the whole public profession thing. Get over it. 
You, you enter into the body of Christ and that means that you publicly profess to the whole world that you love Jesus and he loves you. It doesn't cause you to be saved. The woman wanted anonymous and Jesus gave her very public. And that's what baptism is. It's a public profession of faith. So that's what she wanted. But she got a very public healing. What about Jairus? What he wants is Jesus to act right now because he says, my daughter is near death. That's what he wants. He needs an immediate miracle. He needs an immediate healing. And what does he get? Look at the text. Look at the text. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. What does that mean? If she doesn't get the healing that she wants, she's not going to live. This is, this is life or death. It's now or never. And Jesus says, okay, let's go. So imagine right now, you're Jairus and you're following him. All of a sudden he says, yes, let's go. And so his entourage, all the disciples that get up and, and Peter's pushing through the crowd and he's crowd control and they're pushing and, and Jairus is following. He's like, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And all of a sudden Jesus stops. Who touched me? If you're the father, what's going through your heart right at this moment? Are you kidding me? If you're one of the disciples, what are you thinking right now? The disciples are on a mission. They're on a mission to wade through the crowd to get Jesus from point A to point B. Point B is where that little girl is dying. And Jesus stops and talks to whom? A woman who has a chronic illness that is not in danger of killing her. If you took your daughter to the emergency room at the University of Iowa Hospital and she was near death and the attending physician came into the room and began to examine her and all of a sudden there was an old woman or a middle-aged woman brought in that had a bleeding issue which was not terminal and not, not, not anything that was going to threaten her life and he said, he'd left you to attend to this woman. How many people do we have in the medical profession that are in this room? Quite a few of you, Right? What do you call that when a doctor leaves someone who is critical and in a state of near death to attend someone who is not in a state of near death? You call it malpractice. And you, if you are the attending physician, you await the letter from the lawyer for the lawsuit which is pending. And the disciples are watching this and they're like, what are you doing? And the father... His heart just has to be in knots. His stomach is in knots. He's waiting. His daughter is literally dying. And Jesus is having a conversation with a woman who had a discharge of blood. So there's delay. But it gets, it gets worse. The disciples are thinking, are you kidding me? The, the father's thinking, are you kidding me? What would you think? I know the human condition. I live the human condition. I am a human. I, I suffer. I watch my loved ones suffer. And you come to the Lord and you pray and you ask and you pray and you ask and you pray and you ask. You're still praying. You're still asking. And there's no answer. 
How do you respond when what you are looking for and what you are counting on God to do does not come? What happens to your faith? I'll tell you what happens to some people. They begin to think that Jesus doesn't care. They begin to think that God isn't there. They think that that God's silence is an indication of his either A, he doesn't care, or B, he's not there. Every single person here has cried out to God at some point in time and the thing which you seek has not come. Every single person here can relate, maybe not with the acuteness of Jairus' issue here because his little girl is dying, but everybody here can relate to the fact that you've asked God and he's delayed. In fact, the thing that you asked for, the opposite is the thing that you're receiving. How many of you have you've read that, that statement that Jesus made about um, when, when you pray, you ask for bread, you'll not be given a stone. When you ask for a fish, you'll not be given a snake. How many of you have thought at one point, it seems like every time I ask for bread, I get a stone. Every time I ask for a fish, I get a snake. Anybody ever thought that? I've thought that. Sometimes the very thing that I pray, I get the exact opposite. And every single one of you has been in that situation. That is if you've actually prayed. It's possible that you haven't, and so you've never asked for anything. You've never expected anything. So there's delay, uh, but yeah, it gets worse. While he was still speaking, that is Jesus, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Jairus asked for bread, and here's your stone. I mean, that's, that's at least what it looks like, right? Jesus even said, yes, let's go. And, and, but then he stops. He's delayed. He's delayed. He stops, and he attends to the woman's needs. And in the meantime, his daughter dies. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a long time. I've had to do the funeral of children. There's nothing worse than to bury a child. And this father is looking at Jesus and thinking to himself, you could have stopped this. And he's right. He could have, but he didn't. He could have, but he chose not to. Why trouble the teacher any further? So we got two different situations here. We have the woman, we have Jairus. Both of them have an object of faith. That's Jesus. Both of them have an occasion to come to him. They're desperate. And both of them asked for something and didn't get exactly what they wanted it the way they wanted it. Instead, they got a little bit more discomfort. And in the father's case, a lot of more discomfort. Now let's take a look at the fruitfulness. The fruitfulness. In the case of the woman, in the case, what did she want? An anonymous healing. What did she get? A very public healing. And she was uncomfortable. She came to Jesus trembling and terrified. What did she get? Well, first of all, she was healed. 
she was healed. The moment she touched him, she felt in her body that she was better. That probably indicates that her hemorrhaging was also accompanied with pain. It stopped. The pain stopped. But just as important, maybe even more important, she's publicly restored into community. What does Jesus refer to her as? Daughter. Daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Immediately, what Jesus is saying to the entire crowd is, this woman is a child of God. She was unclean, but she's clean now. She is a daughter of the Father, and she's your sister, and these people are your community. She just wanted to anonymously go off and be made well, and what Jesus did was bring her into a community and say, this woman is one of you, and she is clean, and she's my child. She and the crowd also get a lesson in what faith is. Now, what, was she, what did she say to herself? If I do what? If I touch his garment, I will be made well. This is superstition. This is pseudo almost magic. If I just get a little Jesus juice, if I, just, if I could just touch his garment, if I just write that faith healer and say, please send me the, the prayer cloth that you prayed over and I'll rub it all over my body and I'll be made well, that's utter nonsense. That's not what made her well. What Jesus says, listen, What made you well is not the fact that you touched my garment. What made you well is the fact that you trusted me. Your faith. I made you well. Your faith. Your faith is the conduit by which you receive the grace and the healing that comes from me. My garments had nothing to do with it. He has to tell her that because that's what she believes. He has to correct her that, no, 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 no. Understand what made you, I made you well and your trust in me. That's what faith is. The disciples needed to hear that. The woman needed to hear that. The crowd needed to hear that. They needed to understand that it is Jesus that saves, not magic prayer claws and not his garments. No, 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 no. Your faith in me, that's what healed you. She needed that lesson. And so did the disciples. Jairus. Oh man, Jairus. What did he want? He wanted his daughter to be healed. What did he get? He got a resurrection. He got a resurrection. Let's take a look at the text here. Let's take a look at the text. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to enter except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion. People were weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. There are some who have read that and thought, well, Jesus, she wasn't really dead. No, she's deader than a doornail. This is a euphemism that Jesus uses for death often. He said the exact same thing when Lazarus was dead. So we need to go Lazarus, he's sleeping. And then John says, by that he meant he was dead. And the disciples are like, well, it's good that he's taken a nap. He'll get better then. Jesus is like, no, he's dead. Jesus knows she's dead. Now, they're all laughing. What is up with that? Jairus is a rich man, and he's hired mourners. Mourners, in this time, in this culture, would wail 
But they're not in it to be in it. They're in it because they're paid to be in it. So Jesus says, she's not sleeping, and they laugh. That's the only explanation. Nobody laughs when a little girl's dead, except people that don't have a relationship with her. Jesus put them all outside, took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to the child was, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. What he wanted was a healing. What he received was the witness of a resurrection. Not only did he receive a resurrection, his daughter, But he and the disciples received Jesus, a very, very important principle. And that poor principle is this. God will not be rushed. God is not on my timetable. He's not on your timetable. And he values the things we don't value. Think about why Jesus was delayed. Who delayed him? A woman. More than just a woman, but a woman who had no money. She used to have money, but she blew it all on physicians who made her worse. A woman who had no community. She was an, she was an outcast. She was unclean. She, you can't go lower in the social, social ladder than a woman who's unclean, who's poor. You can't go much higher in the social ladder than the ruler of a synagogue who's rich, who happens to be a male. The world stops for people in power. Money talks, yes? You use your position? You know, how many of you use this phrase? Well, I know somebody. What does that mean? It means that you know somebody, and because you know somebody, things move in your favor. This woman knows no one. Jairus knows everyone. And yet Jesus puts this guy on hold with an acute need, his daughter almost to the point of death, so he can minister to one of the unloved, unknown nobodies, the losers of life's lottery. And he says, I value this woman. She is my daughter. And he teaches the disciples that the kingdom of God has very different ethics and very different values than the kingdom of this world. And there's no way that they'll know this unless Jesus delays. And Jesus teaches that neither delay nor death can thwart his purpose. There's going to be times in your lives as you follow Jesus where you're going to pray and your prayers are not going to be answered the way that you are asking. There's going to be times when you're going to pray and you're going to receive delay and you're going to receive disappointment and you're going to wonder if God even cares. You're going to wonder if God is even there. And you need to know this. You need to know this. That Jesus is the God who makes everything right in the end. What did he he tell Jairus? It's not on the screen, but what did he tell him? He hears the news He hears the news. Don't trouble the teacher any further. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus turns and says, don't fear. Only believe. That's the the same thing as saying, don't be afraid. I want you to trust me. I want you to, some of you are right there right now. You are afraid. You don't know the future. You are in chronic pain. 
Someone you love is in chronic pain. You are in acute pain. Or someone you love is in acute pain. You can't see the future, and the future scares you to death. And Jesus seems to be tearing. He seems to be dallying. And you're wondering whether God cares. And Jesus says to the Father, and he says to you, don't be afraid. Trust me. He said, well, what if it ends in death? Then you will hear exactly what Jairus and this little girl's mother heard. Someday, the child that you buried, the spouse that you buried, the loved one that you had to bury, or when you yourself meet an untimely death, someday you will hear the words, rise, my little lady. This, this phrase here in the English, it doesn't do it justice. He says, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. That sounds impersonal, doesn't it? I mean, if you're, if you're talking to a little girl you don't, and you know her, you don't say little girl, you, you, you call her a name. The, every commentator that I've read says that this phrase is a euphemism, a term of endearment. It's, it's, it's like this. It's like calling your little girl, little lady, princess, sweetheart, honey. That, that's the essence of this. And Jesus says, it's time to get up. Every single one of you that has suffered death and watched someone die, untimely or timely, there's going to come a time when Jesus stands over your grave and their grave and says, little lady, it's time to wake up. Jesus is the God who undoes death. How does he do this? You remember earlier when the woman touched him and he said, someone touched me. How did he know? How did he know that someone touched him? Because power had gone out from him. For Jesus to make this woman clean, he has to become unclean. For Jesus to cause this little girl who had died to rise from the dead, he has to take on death. And he does that. He does that for you. He does that for the woman. He does that for Jairus. He does that for the little girl. He does it for my family, for your family, for the whole world. When Jesus went to the cross, Paul says that he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus conquers sin. He conquers death. And there is no delay and there is no disappointment can thwart his purpose for you And his resurrection is proof of that. As we close in prayer, I recognize that this is a heavy topic and there's much disappointment and there's much delay that goes on in the world and there's people that are suffering. But as always, as we end the service, I want to encourage you, if you would like to be prayed for, if you would like to be prayed over, you just like to share your requests. If you're like, oh, I don't want to come forward, let us know how we can pray for you online one way or the other. Don't be anonymous. Don't be anonymous. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, for your love. Lord, thank you that you conquer sin, you conquer death. And Jesus, we just worship you. Lord, thank you for bringing that little girl to life, for restoring that woman. Thank you for all the miracles that you do in our lives. And Lord, we thank you even for the delays and the disappointment. Lord, we we trust that you will use all things for the good of those who love you, have been called according to your purpose. Lord, we pray this, that Christ might be exalted and that we might be drawn into a deeper faith, a more fruitful faith. 
that you might be glorified. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless, go in grace, and we will see you next week.